Hello, my friends. This is Andy Hedia coming to you live from California. Southern California, you're Belinda. <laughs> Orange County. You look so warm and cuddly. I do. Yes, I love that. It gets freezing in this house. A little bit. Sometimes it does. We have to kind of get used to, or not get used to, we have to um, have a little bit of fun with the air conditioning because when summer comes, supposedly we will not have any energy oh, yikes. to run air conditioning. Oh, yeah. So just aye, aye, aye. You, you for the for the future here in California. Go to resurrectministry.com. That's where you'll find our content from not only this show, but other shows, namely um, His Glory TV, where Hedia has a show with her friend, Alejandra. Alejandra. Yes. Like how I say that? Yes. Does Alejandra like churros, do you think? <laughs> An aster. <laughs> uh, all right, but go there anyway and uh, fill out the form to get the newsletter and um, look around. And if you find a donate button there, you click on it if you want to. You don't have to, but you can. We're reading from Smith Wigglesworth Devotional for May 27th. And it is entitled Faith Like Abraham. The reference is 2 Peter 1 1. Abraham has been in our life a lot. Lately. A lot. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, well, as soon as you study Jesus, uh, Jesus, as soon as you study Genesis, it's like Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Yeah. It's. Uh, time we turn on something it seems like it's about abraham about <laughs> so may 27th faith like abraham uh oh the reference second peter 1 1 already said all that and it says to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our god and savior jesus christ so really funny sentences and they're all throughout this devotional so bear with me as um i read through this but it's, it's just unusual. It feels unusual how that word like preciousness and the like has to do with Abraham's. No, this is Peter talking to the believer that we are those that have a, have achieved like precious faith, like his, like his, like his, All right. that we have obtained like similar precious faith mm -hmm. by virtue of the righteousness of our God and savior, Jesus Christ. I just think that they could have come up with a better way of that sentence. Well, we're used to like being some kind of a descriptor, but he means like as in similar, which like. is the, which is the traditional meaning of the word like. Not like how my son uses it. Right. Like he uses it after every word. <laughs> Completely different. The scripture reading is John 6, 22 through 51. Smith says, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, God proposes that like our Lord, we should love righteousness and hate lawlessness. There is a place for us in Christ Jesus where we are no longer under condemnation, but where the heavens are always open to us. God has a realm of divine life opening up to us where there are boundless possibilities, limitless power, and untold resources. We have victory over all the power of the devil as we are filled with the desire to press on into this life of true holiness, desiring only the glory of God, nothing can hinder our true advancement. Through faith, we realize that we have a blessed and glorious union with our risen Lord. When he was on earth, Jesus told us, I am in the Father and the Father in me. The Father who dwells in me does the works. And he prayed to his Father, not only for his disciples, but also for those who would believe on him through their testimonies. What they, sh 
what they all may be that they all may be one as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me mm. what an inheritance is ours when the very nature the very righteousness the very power of the father and the son are made real in us this is god's purpose and as we take hold of the purpose by faith we will always be conscious that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world the purpose of all scripture is to move us to this wonderful and blessed elevation of faith where our constant experience is the manifestation of god's life and power through us peter went on writing to those who had obtained like precious faith saying grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We can have the multiplication of this grace and peace only as we live in the realm of faith. Abraham reached the place where he became a friend of God because he believed God. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Righteousness was credited to him on no other ground than that he believed God. Can this be true of anybody else? Yes, it can be true for every person in the whole wide world who is saved and is blessed along with faithful Abraham. Some people are anxious because when they are prayed for, the thing that they are expecting does not happen right then. They say they believe, but you can see that they are really in turmoil from their unbelief. Abraham believed God. You can hear him saying to Sarah, Sarah, there is no life in you, and there is nothing in me, but God has promised us a son, and I believe God. That kind of faith is a joy to our Father in heaven. Thought for today. When we believe God, there is no telling where the blessings of our faith will end. So, you know where I want to take us today? If you, Somewhere with Abraham. If you would allow... Yes. It is actually to the video we watched yesterday of Jordan Peterson's discussion with Hamza Youssef. Um, what do you explain, think? Explain. Yes. Yeah, explain who those two people are. Okay. Jordan Peterson, very famous psychologist uh, and who's had a tremendous amount of suffering recently and is coming to some version of his understanding about the nature of Christ and God hasn't yet professed to become a Christian, but is seemingly really grappling with that. He brings on his show a very prominent scholar of Islam, uh, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, who I know very well, uh, very articulate, very well-spoken, explained Islam, the traditional aspects of Islam very well. And there were opportunities that Jordan had, even based on his own like musings about uh, about Christianity, that he could have challenged Hamza's understanding, but he didn't. He, he was pretty gracious. But one of the things that struck me, so he basically, and I don't need to go through it in great detail, I think that the most important thing that Hamza was explaining was that he had a near-death experience as a 17-year-old young man, and he, he wanted to explore death and uh, the consequences and basically went to other, I wanted to keep up the devotional because I'm gonna read from that. And then uh, he wanted to find the faith that would help prepare him best for the next life. And he chose 
he says, uh, yes, I became a Muslim, but I believe Islam chose me, not me choosing Islam. And he explained faith and he explained the religion and he explained the nature of man in Islam. As I said, very articulate, very well said. But what struck me was that as, as a fellow person who was a devout uh, follower of Islam in the same denomination, similar to Hamza, I was struck by the fact that he said it's a near-death experience that would draw him to Islam. Because on all of the explanation that he gave, he never said that Islam is one of the few religions that does not give you any guarantees about what happens in the afterlife. So it gives you a whole bunch of rules about what you should do to best position yourself in the afterlife and on the day of judgment. But it is, the, it is the one religion that absolutely does not guarantee your afterlife. The Jews have being the chosen people of God guaranteed salvation or what they believe to be a guaranteed relationship with God. The fact that they don't accept the Messiah, whole nother point. But I'm saying as Jews, as followers of Judaism and Juxtapose that to how we feel as Christians, where the Lord says, I promise you, I guarantee you life. And so I guarantee you everlasting life. Believe unto me, faith. Believe unto me, have faith, and I guarantee you life. And when they talked about why, because he came from a Christian background, why he didn't accept the Christian version of death, he didn't have any explanation other than later on in the presentation, he explains how troubling the tr Trinity is. Jordan briefly says, I'm not so, I don't really understand why the Trinity is so troubling for people, but okay, I get it. Because he says, we're radical monotheists. But when you read what uh, this example is, especially John 14, and, and, he, and, and he explains that we believe in the fact that he came from a virgin birth, and he explains all the things that I've said, that we, we believe that Jesus came from a, a virgin birth and that he was a prophet, he was enlightened, and that he will return on the last days. And so I said, well, if you believe that God can do all those things, then why can you not believe that God sees humanity sinning for centuries and says, and he can send angels and created the universe from nothing and he will create a day of judgment and he will judge all of his people and there's a war of Armageddon that's prophesied both in Islam and Christianity, in detail, but he cannot come down and wrap himself in flesh. Like that's, why is that so hard to accept by faith that he comes down and wraps himself in flesh so that we don't ultimately have to pay the price and have a judgment day that we don't ever win? Like God's whole point in sending Jesus was, if you come to me in judgment, you will fail. Every human being will fail because everybody is a sinner. Everyone will fall short of the glory of God. There is not a righteous one, no, not a one. And so what, what this scripture, what John 14 is replete with is Jesus, it's red letters. So it's Jesus speaking, saying, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. You are in me by virtue of faith. And we are one, constantly speaking to the oneness of God and the oneness of the Son with the Spirit. And and you can't say that Jesus was a prophet and not believe what he's saying because then he's a liar. Mm -hmm. Like, how could you say he's a prophet and he's <clears throat> this wonderful person and someone you should learn from and that 
in his explanation of Islam, he says, and we accept the holy books, the Anjil and the Torah, which means the Bible and the Torah, but it's filled with lies. So that how do you- Or he's a lunatic. Or he's a lunatic. Mm -hmm. You know, so how do you reconcile the fact that what you profess is not what you actually believe? So the conclusion, which was quite frankly, the most disappointing part of the presentation was Jordan saying, well, it looks like as a society, we should search for commonalities. People have been doing that. Yeah, that that has led to nothing but that, that has led to nothing but destruction. Because the more we try to fit all of us into one box, the less alike we are, and the more strife that creates. Because the fact that we say there's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ, and accepting Him by faith, does not mean we're passing judgment on someone else. We're, we're repeating God's law. That is up to God to ultimately get up there and be like, you know what? I changed my mind. That's not for us to decide or say, we don't believe that's what's going to happen, but we can get along with anybody in this world, an atheist, a Muslim, or whoever it may be, but we do not change God's principles in order to find common ground. And so I just think that after this long explanation that um, Hamza provides of rule after rule after rule, Jordan's conclusion was like, wow, we have a lot to learn from Islam. And I was like, like, that's so weird. Like, you, you've been studying the Bible. I mean, like, you great, you, he has this great exegesis on Genesis and about God and about the Bible and about Moses. And yet his conclusion was, we have a lot to learn. I was like, but you have the truth. Why would you have a lot to learn from a religion that just sets people up for failure? And Hamza admits that uh, there is death on every page of the Quran. And I was like, <laughs> how, how cool is that? Yeah, like wh why would that be appealing? I don't. And I and I look back to my own experience and I realize that there is this desire to have an obstacle course, kind of like what people said you'll never become a cop. Right. There is this desire to have somebody put an obstacle course in front of us and say I'm going to make it through it. And then you get to 10, 20, 30 years of practice and you're like, "Wait a minute, this system's rigged." I actually have no way of getting through the obstacle course. And only when you're fortunate enough that God calls you, the true God calls you out and says, are you tired of this hamster wheel yet? Because you ain't, you're never going to get anywhere on it, that you're lucky enough to come out. But other people advocate, come on this hamster wheel with me, and we're going to run, run, run to try to position ourselves well at death. When Jesus is like, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Believe unto me, and you shall be saved. Confess with your, mart, your mouth, believe in your heart, and you shall be saved. And why wouldn't people want that? It's the simplicity and the beauty of that. I don't know. I, I was, I, I've been like in a daze since yesterday over this. <laughs> like just, just overwhelmed by. Well, you knew what to expect from Hamza. Right. And he did that it. You exactly. were hoping you would get something different out of Jordan Peterson. Yes. Um, and I and I was hoping that he, he was at the intellectual level to compete with Hamza because he Hamza is so well-educated and so well-read that the average person getting in an argument with him would be defeated. 
Um, if you're gonna ar argue like brain to brain, you know? Uh, but I was hoping because of the superior intellect of Jordan, he'd be able to articulate why the Trinity is acceptable and why the eternal, internal, eternal security is such a priceless distinction between Islam and Christianity. Well, there we were putting hope in man. Yeah. Again, and they failed us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting when you were talking about um, the difficulty he had with the Trinity. The Trinity. Trinity. The Trinity. Um, and although I'm, I'm not, I'm not comparing you to Jesus necessarily, or, um, good, you know, calling you, even a, though we say we're in him and we should be. Yeah. But th this is the, the thing is that at least on the aspect of the Holy spirit, when you're in a relationship with somebody like you and I are in a relationship where I've not had this experience before is in in a in an earthly way you dwell inside me where in the past that never happened in another oh, relationship neat okay where that when i'm not here with you i still think about what would Hedy want me to do in this situation or i ask myself Hedy, you know give me you know your thoughts on this and and it will stop me from doing something or it will cause me to either text you or, or, a, or yeah. a phone call. So it's not that it's not that it's not that difficult when you when you have a great relationship to now understand how it is that somebody the Holy Spirit, the Holy can, Spirit dwell. can dwell in you. Because there's examples in a good relationship where, That's where, beautiful. where it does happen. Where it takes control of things that you do or not do. I love that. So it was interesting that when you were talking about that, that's what I thought. My daughter is calling you. Oh. She must be trying to call me and I'm not answering. <laughs> <laughs> I can text she, her. Maybe she wants to know something about um, you know, what place. type of nail polish that she gets on her fingers. Um, one other thing, and I don't want to derail anything you just said, because that was actually a really good, uh, I think, example about the devotional, about how you know this discussion can go deeper uh, to help people make right. a decision for one faith over another. But... What comes to mind with me when it comes to trusting God um, is kind of what happened in Texas. Okay. And I'm going to have a deeper discussion about this on my Andy Falco show that I often deal with things that are happening in law enforcement and why yes. law enforcement makes decisions or doesn't make a decision and what happened in this particular case. But I, I just want to address the, the power of... Of knowing that there's something greater out there. Absolutely. That in a time where you have to make a life and death choice to act, that mm -hmm. if you, as we have learned over the last couple of years, how people can be controlled by fear of death. Oh. Just tell me. Ah, oh, sorry, folks. <laughs> okay. Um, that you will not go out to dinner. You will not have Christmas with your family. You will, you know, that whole number of things. You, you'll, you'll get controlled by fear, especially right. when you're hammered with fear. And it's really interesting to me that you have so many people right now that are up in arms 
And just let's just say that the officers didn't take action fast enough, according to them. Like they're going, why didn't they run in there? Why didn't they do this? Which is going to be, again, addressed in another thing. But I want to use this as an example here is that, but these are the same people that wouldn't go to the grocery store without a mask. You're, <laughs> or, you're even wondering, it, or even didn't go even with a mask. Yeah. They were so afraid. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just on this one aspect is that you have an entire world now here of, of, of people that are questioning the righteous indignation, <laughs> the courage of men and women who on a daily basis go out and, and make these decisions. And they're jumping to conclusions, which they could be right, that they were afraid. Right. And there are a, a, a number of officers that I worked with that would prefer to sit on a perimeter than be at the front door on the entry team of a SWAT call. And I knew who those people were because I often ended up being the first person through the door because I had a dog. And so on, and, and in the era that I was in on the SWAT team, I was on the entry team and I was usually the first one, me and my dog with the least amount of protection were the first ones in these rooms all the time. Um, but I never thought about it. It didn't, I just, but why? I, I just trusted in God. Oh. I, I wasn't as faithful as I am now, but I always knew there was a God. Right. And I, I trusted my training and I trained a lot. And so there was two aspects. I trained a lot because I was responsible for training others. So I had the confidence of my training. I had, the, I had a little bit of, of bravado, if I can put it that way. Right. And I wanted to be the person first through the door. I didn't want to leave it to other people. I thought I could, I know how to do this. I've been training. But I'm curious. Yes. How much of that was actually trusting God? There are the training and the bravado, mm -hmm. which I'm sure were a factor, but how much of that is really trusting God? You know. know what I mean? At the end of the day, that maybe that's the marker is that most people are just like doing this cost benefit analysis in their head and nothing is as valuable as life. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Paul's looking forward to the Andy Falco show. Um, yeah. But I, I think that that's what Smith Wigglesworth is talking about on, on a daily basis that we have to, make a decision one way or another. Or do you trust and have faith in God to help you with every decision? Not, not just right. entering a room where there's a shooter. But everything. But everything. But with your relationship, uh, marriage. Yes. Uh, with your children, with your illness, with your, I mean, have you, besides just a regular illness, your cancer or a major surgery you're going to go into and have faith and and. And not to be fearful with daily life and, and leaving the leaving the house. And I was listening to this great discussion about faith in suffering, where the Lord's constantly teaching us to pick up our cross and carry it, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And they gave this example of this priest in Nairobi who had this, you know, mediocre congregation. Church was always like half full. He gets mm -hmm. Lou Gehrig's disease. And suddenly the church is packed. And when they ask people, like, why are you now like so in love with this church? And he's like, well, the pastor's totally changed. He's kinder. He's more intuitive. He's more gracious. Like 
the suffering and the fear and the nearness to death made his trust in the Lord increase so much, he became transformed by it. Mm. And so the commentator who was a priest that was a missionary there was thinking to himself, I found myself secretly asking God not to heal him because not only how his life had been transformed, but that so many other people around him had been transformed. And again, I think that's what Smith is trying to get us to is realize the one that's in you is greater than, any, than what is external and pursue that at all costs. Despite the suffering, despite it, it, it's, for example, in COVID, at COVID time, when the churches were closed, had every church thought, wait a minute, people are suffering. Even the sick people who had sick, had sickness, let's leave the church open. That's what they did during the bubonic plague or through the fevers. And let's, I mean, remember the pictures of the bodies outside of churches and they're wearing these masks. All they have is these like cloth masks, you know what I mean? And they're helping people with these horrible debilitating diseases that would kill you in an instant but they were doing it and trying to heal people and reading on them and, and giving them food and caring for them in their last days because the the idea of suffering didn't scare people it was nearness to god that mattered most mm-hmm. and you know it's an important thing that you just said there in the description of the the pastor uh-huh. where the the church grew is is, a, is leadership, what we talked about on Monday. I think I talked about that on Monday, about how important it Jehoshaphat. is to have a, a Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Um, a Jehoshaphat. But we have our pastor, Jack. You had the pastor in your story that had, uh, what was it? Not Lou Gehrig's. Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, and in the situation in Texas, what I'm gathering right now is that they had Sheriffs, marshals, border patrol, Who's you know, the small little police department, which, and then you had the, the, the school district police department. You had all these people there who was in charge. And one of the things that I, I've heard, and I'm, I want to get more detail before I do the show, is that it was the possibly the chief of police of the school district police that is the one who told them to hold back. And so when we get this. And he's the one that should have had the school shooter training, right? <laughs> So we can look at all these things, but when you have it, then that's where sometimes things fail based on, on leadership um, and the, the team that you're going in with. So when I was on the street, Paul Beyer would be one of those guys I work with, uh, Chuck Knight, Randy Bridges, um, and um, uh, Flutz, Dave Flutz, um, Mike Lozo, um, Jeff Burke. You know, I, these are just guys that I, I name off that I know that anytime we were going to go in after somebody, if I had one or more of those guys on my team, we would go in immediately. But then, it was especially with Randy Bridges, who was a sergeant, he was a leader, a SWAT leader, that I would follow into any, into, into any building. Um, but there's others that I would so oh, this, oh. this is not good. <laughs> I am not going in, and I'm not going to name those people. But there were probably about 10 or 15 people, including yeah, crisis of leadership. That is I it? would have said, you know what? I'll take the perimeter because you guys cannot be trusted. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is a very tricky situation. But if we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and leader, who can be afraid? Who can be afraid? I mean, it's a huge uh, point that needs to be understood when you're deciding on these faiths 
is that you look at Islam, every page in the in the Quran is death. That you 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 do all these works, and yet when you die, you still have a month or so of determination whether it is you're going to be yes. you know, saved or not. That, wait, wait. I'm going to be dead. I, I, and not, and I told you about the scary angels, yeah. Anko and Akil, that come into the grave and terrify the daylights out of you in the grave. <laughs> I'm going to be tortured even after I die? <laughs> even after you die. It's it, But you go, okay, I'd rather, it's it's just like at the police department, I'd rather fo- follow Jesus. Uh, right. I'd rather him be my tack officer and my leader and my, and my uh, the guy that I'm going to follow in the battle as opposed to like, we're not really quite sure. And then even after you die, we may torture you. <laughs> oh. Well, and you sign up for it. And you're like, yeah, where do I sign? Yeah. You know? I pass. Susan says. I think deep down you probably didn't want to risk the lives of the others on your team who may not have been as well trained. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another leadership quality is concern for those around you. But that's why I, I will see what Andy says on the show, but I, I'm just trying to understand the psyche of the men, the dads standing around there thinking, whoa, there's a bunch of eight-year-olds in there. Like, who cares, man? Let's just do this, you know? And, and, but nobody did, or maybe some did, but they were told to stand down. There's one other, other, there's one other aspect. And, and I've heard this a few times, just going to answer your question is that you have active shooter status and then you have um, hostage status. Right. Those are two completely different situations where if the shooting stopped. But it didn't, did it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Ah, that's okay. one of the things that they're thinking may have happened is that you have this bap, 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 and you have the shooting. But then when you're getting ready to go in and the shooting stops. Stop. Then you think he's got a hostage. You think now he's, he could have surrounded himself with the children. Now you enter and now you start a shooting get, again. And that. so there's a little bit of, we need to find out a little bit more. An hour? Because, because maybe for an uh, hour and not an hour. Now, listen, I'm telling you, I, I thought about all this stuff. An hour is an extremely long time. A long Let's, time uh, I mean, with no, minutes, with minutes no demand, oh with no demand, no, no, no call. No, you nothing. You have to make a decision. That's the thing. Make a decision, bro. Yeah. Right? You shouldn't have got to that point of the silence. Possibly you needed to be in even quicker uh, than what we're looking at. But if you're there and then suddenly the, the, the shooting stops, you, now you have to make a different decision, possibly. And that's that's where I'm not quite 100% yet, but yeah. uh, information's coming out all the time. Um, I, I, I do my very best not to jump on too quickly on some things because you jump in too quickly and the information's wrong, like it was yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday they said that a, a SRO got into a gun battle with him before he went in. That's completely not true. Right. I heard somebody else say that four people got in a gun battle with him before he went in. That also was not true. There was there was nothing uh, like that that happened before he went in. So, um, but again, the, the leadership qualities, the decision making, some of it has to do with your. Um, I think on a daily basis has to do with who is it? Who is it that you're following? Yes. Who's your leader? If it's you, you're being you're being led by a fool. And and I think that that's when once once you determine that you have the grace um, of having been brought into this faith what Smith is driving us towards and which every um, word in the Bible, even the stories of the old Testament is driving us towards is trusting God. Mm-hmm. Is that if you've signed up for this program, jump in the deep end, 
jump in the deep end and see how your life can change. And it doesn't mean that you, it's not a prosperity gospel, but you will even find glory in the suffering, which is the example of the priest, Mm -hmm. which is that even, and and so many stories, uh, Pastor Jack even tells stories of people like being in the hospital room with somebody dying of cancer and the lives of the nurses that are transformed, the family members that are transformed, the person talking about seeing what they're approaching in terms of uh, Jesus's presence. I just the amount of uh, unexplainable supernatural grace, joy, peace that come from trusting Him is something that we have to constantly try uh, to achieve. Yeah. Oh, show! All right, let's get to the scripture. Uh, it is. John 6, 22 through 51. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Schnuggums. There we go. The, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats had come from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread before the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may do the work, work, the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who is sent. That's it. That's simply the works of God. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe in you? What work will you do? Mind you, these are the people who just ate the five loaves of bread and two fish for 5,000 people. Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of he who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all of he, all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day juxtapose that to the notion that you're going to be fighting for your life in the grave. <laughs> so sad. Really? The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it he says it came down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one comes to me except the father, unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. 
It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, anyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life, he repeats. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So you cannot say that a person says this, that Jesus is speaking and say he's not the son of God. And yet he's still a great man because that's either crazy or a lie or the truth. But you can't say, no, that's not the truth, but he's still a great person. Right. You know, it's just, it's, it's really, they're incompatible concepts. Back to my analogy between our relationship, it'd be, you know, oh, I love my wife so much and then i check the box that says helping single moms uh repair you know their homes <laughs> with projects <laughs> there was an interesting um uh thing last night i went to i went to barbecue men's barbecue at uh sorry i was looking for something really quick i wanted to say exactly what it said but it was a men's barbecue at uh your Belinda friends church and i thought <laughs> it was really interesting oh that's funny you're gonna share it yeah just interesting the, uh, the little thing. So we sat at a table and you fill out a form, put your name, email address, and phone number. And say, and then you write what you're interested in at the church. And of course you have exploring more about truth. Faith. Huh? Oh, faith. Sorry. <laughs> more about faith. I should make it a little bit bigger. Uh, and then another one is six week summer men's group or other life group. You can check that box. Sorry. My thing is men's retreat. Uh, a men's retreat, uh, June 24th through 25th. So if you want to go to that, I'm interested in going to that. I don't know what we have planned on that weekend, but that would be fun to go to. Summer men's hangouts, like golfing, hiking, fishing. Ooh, That'd be fun. I think so. Can I come? Yes. Learning more about uh, no, no regrets, which is a program. It's an eight-month program that you can go to. And then there's this one. It says helping single moms with home projects. Don't get, folks, I'm sorry. I just don't get how that fits. And this is to 90% are married men. I don't get that. I don't know. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> so, of course, I checked the box and underlined it and circled it and sent it to Hedia. Look, I said, look what I signed up for. I would be helping single moms with home projects. And it doesn't even say like with their car. It's a home <laughs> projects, you know, meaning you're going to go in their house. Yes. This is a little uh, humor <laughs> <laughs> to share with you all. Of course, I did not. There is no temptation in the world that is not uh, natural to man and that the Lord does not provide a way out. And the last one is uh, staying informed about future men's events. Which, that's the one I checked. I just don't understand how <laughs> how that one got in the middle of there. I don't know. I want. I just. I wanted to be. I wanted. I want to be in that meeting that they had where they just said, "Okay, what are we going to put on the card?" Well, 
Uh, I think we should put um, <laughs> helping single moms. Like, you know, the guy, you know, the guy who had that, <laughs> that idea was single. Well, I hope he was single. Yeah, you, you hope. What do you guys think about that? Is that like, uh, is that a good thing? I, I, there's no doubt. Like, you, it could have been just written differently. Like, helping homeless people. I, I don't know. know. How do you put that? Like, just helping, in the, helping in the community or people. foster families. Yes. I just find that it was just hysterical. <laughs> and the fact that I caught it, like, right. And all the other guys go, oh, yeah, that's a, like, what? None of you guys saw. I found it interesting. Discernment. Yeah. I just want the guy said, look at they got on here. Going, oh, yeah, that is kind of funny. What? You didn't see that before? All right. Uh, sorry. John 14, 10 through 11. Have you already looked at that? No. Nope. No. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Again, going through the Trinity. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Again, that the unity, the tri, the triune nature of god is not three separate gods he's constantly making that point he is in me i am in him he is in me i am in him we are one he does it through me you know it's like you could believe in angels and demons but you can't believe that god can come in a man so weird James 2.23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. May we all be called the friend of God. That'd be awesome. Yes. I feel like I'm the friend of God. Yes. We're the children of God. He's our father. I mean, that really is a huge difference of feeling like I was seeking the friendship of God, and I wasn't able to achieve it. I always felt like I was falling short. Yes. So tell me about so, it. So I thought, was I. I. I thought he was punishing me and thought he was mad at me all the time. So and did I. That kind of relationship. You, you Adversarial. It's adversarial. That, thank you for coming up with a word yes. that I did not come up with, which is often. Um, yeah, I was always adversarial. And I was like, it was almost like the relationship I had with my father, like always seeking his approval, always wishing that he would say that he loved me. always And not that, getting it. And not getting it. And him questioning whether, you know, how did you achieve that A? Like, if I ever got an A, it was always like, who'd you cheat? Who'd you cheat off of? <laughs> no, I got it without cheating. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Writing it on my on my palm of my hand. Oh. Um, but yeah, there was always that. Oh my gosh, what a what a what a comparison. So true. Amen. It, it's not um it's not uh, unusual, I guess, is what I'm looking for, that I would have the same relationship with God that I had with my dad until I was taught differently. Amen. And it was, uh, you know, until I got into the Bible uh, and uh, shown that the Bible is a living document. It's a completely different way of looking at things. Yes. Woo! Pretty deep one today. Yes. I don't know that it was really meant to be that deep, but we found some deepness in it. So again, go to resurrectministry.com to look for um, other content we might have and to connect with us and let us know. Um, yes, that, that if you email us, yeah. we can get the message directly. Yep. 
We also have this amazing app. What you tell them about it, Hedia? It's the Edify app. It's the Christian Podcast Network. It's got amazing content. If you find our devotional, if you click the link and subscribe, we'd be most grateful. Here's how you get it. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. E-D-I-F-I dot app. You know the one thing about uh, celery? It's, you know, that it's it's God's uh, yes. dental floss. Yes. It gets stuck in my teeth every time. Really? Yeah, the whole show I've been wanting to stick my finger in my mouth and try <laughs> oh, to pick it out. Oh, thank you for not doing that, lovey. <laughs> thank you for sharing, though. No problem. This is the one thing that I, gotta, I need to talk to God about and say, you know what? There's a special way you have to eat it. Really? Mm-hmm. And at, at 60 years old, I, nobody ever taught me this, and now I'm going to learn? I never get celery cut in my teeth. How is that possible? We're going to need to talk about this on the next okay. show. Okay. All right, my love. I love you. I love you too. (laughs) We love you too. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Take care. Bye. Bye.